Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch, and I am joined with the one, the only, Joshua Tim. What's up, team? And Mrs. Elena Haas. Hey, guys. <laughs> wow, you had the same length of wow. introduction on this one that as me, Elena. Like a pretty manufactured hey, guys. <laughs> but, you know, there's always that girl. What was the movie? Mean Girls? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a movie. What about it? <laughs> like, I feel like that was the movie that discipled you in high school. <laughs> How did you know that? Wow, I'm right, man. I feel that's like a every classic. every girl my age has seen that movie and can quote at least five movie quotes. Oh, I yeah, don't think man. she's wrong. That movie on. All right, that's not what we're talking about. I apologize on behalf of these guys for wasting your time already. Josh, what are we talking about? Yeah, today we're going to talk about missionary dating. Oh, I don't even know if we. I don't even know what that term is. An oldie, but a goodie. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what, what does that term dating. mean? When you when you hear missionary dating, David, what does it mean? Missionaries dating? Like yeah, two no, missionaries? I think, dating I, I each mean, other? Yeah, that would that would make sense. I don't think that's what that we're talking about today. That would make for an interesting like show, yeah, reality yeah. TV show, though. Because <laughs> missionary... <laughs> There's some, uh, there's a lot of great normal missionaries. There's also a lot of like, it's like, a, it's like a black belt and homeschooled kid <laughs> yeah, makes totally. you a great missionary sometimes. But there's also a lot of great ones. And technically, we're all on mission here, people. <laughs> Guys, Speaking of homeschool, Josh. Yeah, that was me. And so, really, when we say missionary dating, what we're talking about is uh, dating. And so, let that explain <laughs> everything you've been thinking about, Josh. He's homeschooled. We, we so have give him some grace, people. Yeah, be nice to me. He grew uh, up in a bunk bed. Okay, with we have people kids. listening. Okay, in, guys. all right. We're There's talking about missionary dating. Keep going, Josh. Which means uh, dating someone that isn't a believer, or dating someone for the purpose or the belief that you could be the one that introduces them to Christ, that they would come to know Jesus because or through you. Are we encouraging this? No. <laughs> well, here's the here's the reason why people missionary date is because I think a lot of Christians know well that they cannot well that the Bible would say that it's not wise to marry someone who's not a believer and it says not to do that. So they meet someone who they like but is not a believer and so they're trying to you know have everything work out and have them become a believer so they can marry that person and that's like the why people do it. It feels like the most. Uh... Um, controlling yeah. type of dating ever. ever. Yeah. Like, hey, I've got my eyes on you and I've got eyes on changing you. And uh, yeah, so emphatically, missionary dating is a bad idea. By missionary dating, we mean when someone who's a Christian decides to date someone who's not a Christian or despite the fact that they're not a Christian mm-hmm. for the purpose of playing a role and helping bring them to God and saving them. So it's not just dating a non-believer, but it's also dating a non-believer and continuing to date a non Christian for the sake of, hey, well, maybe I can be the person that brings them to God. And today we're just going to unpack a little mm. bit of why that is such a bad idea. So yeah. what, what would y'all say? I have a hot take from the beginning. I think this happens a lot yeah. because the other person, when they meet someone, at least on the guy side, it's just really, really cute. Right. I think I like you just go, man, they're just really attractive. I like who they are as a person. Yeah. They're fun. They like the outdoors like I do. And so it begins with just a, who the person is, is attractive. And so what I think from there's almost like a flawed perspective from the very beginning about what date, the purpose of dating is. Yeah. hundred percent. At the, at the very beginning of that. Elena. I also think there's like degrees to which 
you're dating someone and it's not even that they're like outspokenly anti-God or anti-Christian. They're just kind of like, yeah, I was raised Catholic mm-hmm. and that's cool. And they almost, they would see you as like, yeah, she, God is like really big deal to her and love that, you know, they respect it. So it's not like they're anti yeah. cool. you know, outspoken against mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. They just are not, they're like, uh, they're either culturally Christian, they were raised, but they're not actually following Jesus or they... um were raised it and they're not really a part of their faith anymore, but they still believe in God. Yeah. So it's generally not like somebody being like, hey, look, I found the most adamant atheist of all time and I'm lasering in and yeah. I'm going to use my looks and dress yeah. to, to go get that person to Jesus. It's a much more subtle, much more innocent mm-hmm. and, and in a weird way, probably comes from a heart that is like trying to do good, but is really uh, uh, deceived or mm-hmm. misled, misled. And mm-hmm. you can't save anybody. Dating somebody that is not a believer is a really bad idea and we'll unpack some of the reasons why. Yeah, but here's, I think one of the things that's so hard about being a Christian is, we've said this before, like the pool of dating is actually quite small. Yeah. If you're really gonna, if you're an all in like believer of Christ and following Jesus and wanting to honor him with your life, like one of the things that is important to you is finding a spouse who also believes those same things and wants those same things. And the pool of people with that goal in mind is quite small. And so sometimes you're going to meet people not at church in other areas of your life. Like maybe you met someone at work and you're interested in them and they don't have the same beliefs that that you do. Or, you know, you meet people in different places that don't have the same values. And so you're like, well, I really like that person. You start to catch feelings and then you're like, how can I be with that person and still have my faith? And yep. that's when things get, that's how this happens. Like it's very <laughs> yeah. logical. I get, I get how this happens and it's a really hard thing to navigate. So that's why we want to do this podcast. Yeah. Or you go on a date with somebody yeah. and yep. you go on a second date and it's like, it comes out eventually that, oh man, they don't share the same values, but they support that I have a faith and they're not opposed to that. And, but I really like him and he's really nice or mm-hmm. she's really sweet. She's really cute. I she has a great personality, and then all of a sudden, um, you go into hanging out, and your heart has already drifted towards locking onto that person, mm-hmm. and then you realize they're not in the same place with you spiritually, or they don't have the same faith as you do. Yeah, and and then it's you're, that's it's after you've caught all the trouble. feelings though. To yeah, use. and gone on dates and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Okay, David. What? If you're going to uh, go to God's word to build a wisdom principle around this as to why we're saying we, we don't believe this is a good idea, where, where would you start and what would you say out of that? Yeah, I think the most classic one is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, where Paul is writing and he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? And um, and he goes on to just say, hey, what a what does a non-believer have in common with a believer? And Paul lays out that you are not to enter into a partnership, a covenant that would include marriage. It really includes like a work partnership. You should be wise about entering into any sort of uh, relationship with unbelievers that is going to yoke you together. What do you guys think about what, what does he mean by yoke? 
Uh, I don't know, David, as you just talked to right then, I don't know that I've cons- even considered like the whole partnership in, uh, in business, but I guess in a lot of ways that makes a ton of sense because you are, you are saying, Hey, you and I together are on a team and, and there's like more like official ties between you and I in a way that we have to be able to use, move as a, as a unit together. Um, so I, but I don't know, I don't know that I've spent a bunch of time wondering what he meant by yoked, but I think that marriage is clearly included in that, but, uh, I've not thought about like business partners. Josh, you got to start reading your Bible, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> yoked was a phrase. Do you know where yoked comes from? Yeah, it's from, is it oxen or some kind yeah, of cattle? Oxen. That's right. Yeah. Hey, how do you not know that? You're homeschooled. Bro, you I know the oxen, oxen part of it, not what and you're they, implying as to further than that. I'm just yeah, messing. Come on. You're the most normal homeschool kid of all time. Let me just <laughs> put that out there. That. Can, am I right? I agree, yeah. yeah I, I mean, agree. Josh those, is like those guys, chill. they don't shower yeah. and... <laughs> Use deodorant. Dude, you're going to offend so many people. I'm sorry. If you're homeschooled, I'm sure you're the other normal one out there. Hey, uh, yoked was a term. It's an agricultural term. If we grew up in the first century, we would for sure know it because it meant you put two oxen alongside of one another. And to be equally yoked meant that you'd have uh, equal strength coming out of the oxen. Basically, um, it would pull forward agricultural stuff to till up the ground. So you have two oxen next to one another. You put a yoke on their back and they would pull the till. I believe it's a till behind it. Or they would pull plow. whatever would plow. Yeah, pull the plow. And they would pull the plow, and it would allow for the ground to be tilled up. And if you had unequally yoked oxen, it meant a couple of different things. It either meant that one was stronger than the other, so they were pulling at different paces, and they weren't able to pull in the same degree, or they were pulling in different directions is another way that it's been said. And so... Often what happens when you get into a relationship, if you're unequally yoked, whether you're spiritually not on the same page, maybe they're, they would say they're a Christian, but they're really not following Christ. They're not all in with him, or they're not a believer at all. They're Jewish. Maybe they're Hindu. Maybe they're just like, hey, I believe in God. That's pretty much it. Or I think there's a God, but beyond that, I'm not sure. Paul would say, you're like two oxen, that the direction of your life, you're not able to pull in the same direction effectively, or you're going to pull in two separate directions and be ineffective in every way that you would have, or your life is going to go forward. So when it comes to your future, if you have children's to get, children together or children's, <laughs> uh, you're going to end up wanting to raise those children with different values. You're going to end up um, moving in a different direction of your life and being uh, someone, if you marry someone who's not a believer and Christ maintains or becomes, he really is still the focus of your life, then you're not going to share the intimacy with your spouse <laughs> that Christ wants you to experience. Your lives are going to be pulling in a different direction. How tragic is that in a dating relation, or I mean, in a marriage context? Yeah, which I think brings up the point. I, I think there'd be a lot of people listening that would really agree with everything you just said, but we're talking about dating here. So, w- well, is that the same? You know, uh, does do all of the same things apply to a dating relationship as to a marriage? I think people would agree with what you just said, but yet, well, um, I'm currently just dating them, and what if I wait long enough, see if they will become a believer, and then I could get married to them, which is a much more official being yoked together. And, and uh, so, w- I think that then implies the question: What do we think the purpose yeah. of dating is? Well, I would say it like this: What are the chances that you are going to? Um, be the person who saves them. Zero. You don't save anybody. Nobody saves anybody. God alone saves somebody. What are the chances that um, you fall in love with them? They're Pretty much high. greater than zero. Yeah. yeah. If you spend time with somebody and you like them and yeah. they, you like their yeah. personality and you begin to get all the feels, there's a great chance you can fall in love. Like you can fall in love with someone who's not a believer. That's why um, the verse of, hey, guard your heart, Proverbs 4, verse 23 
as cliche as that seems to Christians who've been around, is such an important one because you want to make sure that your emotions don't get ahead of what God says your devotion first and foremost should be in the scripture. Because if you let yourself, you could fall in love with somebody who's Jewish, somebody who's Buddhist, Mm -hmm. somebody who, Mm -hmm. like when you're dating, the differences that you share are like mysterious and intriguing and opposites attract. Yeah. And then that statement that, man, dude, you get married and opposites attack. Mm -hmm. And so what is like mysterious and cool and it's kind of Eastern meditation Buddhism, uh, just uh, there's something uh, mysterious about that. All of a sudden becomes really lonely and depressing when you get married and they don't have the same faith in you. They don't want to raise your kids to follow Christ. They don't have the same values that you do. They don't see the world the way that you do. They're not going to use their time the way that you do. Mm -hmm. And you set yourself up for a really, really lonely, lonely marriage. Mm -hmm. So you can't guarantee that you're going to save anybody. In fact, you can guarantee you're not going to save somebody. Mm-hmm. Nobody, You don't save someone. Um, Christ does. And you don't have to date them in order for Christ to do that. You could just pray for them and, um, and continue to follow Christ and just be faithful on your own. But you can fall in love, and that's just setting yourself up for a really, really painful scenario. We say all the time, it is much better to be lonely and single than lonely and married. And if you marry someone who does not have the same faith as you, you are setting yourself up to be really lonely in marriage mm-hmm. because you can't connect on the thing at a soul level that you uh, believe is the reason why you exist. Like your your soul can't connect. There's a Hebrew word even for sex in the Old Testament. You heard this before? That word of uh, that one of the translations of sex in the Old Testament is the mingling of souls that God created us in marriage mm-hmm. to intertwine so intimately. It's like our souls intertwined together. And that's what he wanted to be a part of marriage. And if you marry someone who's not a Christian, you are setting yourself to not be able to experience that. Not because you won't be able to have sex, but I'm saying at a soul level, the most intimate parts of you will not be able to connect with that other person. So what if you're dating someone and it's not like, like you said, it's not that they're an atheist or like, hey, God doesn't exist. And maybe they even like come to church with you or they're, they tell you, hey, I'm I don't believe in Jesus yet, but I'm open to it. Like I'm open to coming with you. I support your, your faith. I'm, I love that about you. I love that you view that. And uh, like, how would you, what would you say to that person who's like, yeah, he's my boyfriend. Like he's, he's not an atheist. He is open to it. And what's wrong with that? Cause I'm not married to him yet. And yeah, I would say don't date him, but stay in the ring with me. Like, dude, like represent that side better. You're saying, hey, if somebody comes and they're like, hey, um, they're going to come to church with me and this is great and I don't want to cut them off because then, you know, at least he's going to church now. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And just I think what's hard about unequally yoked is -hmm. it's not super clear on where the line of that Mm -hmm. is. Because, for instance, you could you could both be Christians and still be unequally yoked because maybe they have a saving faith, but they're not. There's areas of their life that they haven't fully surrendered to Christ and they're still living in sin. And you, on the other hand, are um, running after Christ as hard as you can. That would still be unequally yoked, I guess, even though you're both believers. Yeah. And so how do you know, like, if you where's the line of being unequally yoked and how can you gauge like if you're in a relationship that you're on on the same page about that? I would say the clearest would be believer and unbeliever. So if they're they're mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm not a believer. Mm-hmm. Paul uses that word in 2 Corinthians 6, where he uses believer and non-believer. So that's very clear. We're all in agreement there, right? Yeah. And then if, if they're a cultural Christian or they would say that they're a Christian, I would just not... Um, 
every guy listening to this and every girl listening to this, you should run hard after Christ with everything that you have. Yep. And you should marry someone and expect to marry someone and know that you deserve to marry someone who is running after Jesus to the same degree that you are. And by deserve, all of us, we, I hope you know what I mean by that. We all just deserve hell. Everything else is icing on the cake. But in terms of um, what you should strive for and not settle for is someone who is running after Christ just like you are. That old, uh, I heard it from Tommy Nelson originally, but the best way to end up finding someone um, is to be someone who's running the race after Jesus as hard as you can and focused on him and running towards him. And then eventually you just look up and you look over and there's somebody of the opposite sex running there right next to you, running his heart after, and then end up going all in with them. So I would make sure that you as an individual, you've discovered who your master in life is going to be. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be the world? Is it going to be um, Christ? And then once you decide on that, it allows the decision of who your mate is going to be mm-hmm. to be a lot easier to discover. People date, they pick up hobbies of the person that they're dating. We joked about this at the porch recently. Like people, uh, a girl will date a guy and she's like, yes, I love the Cowboys now. And, um, and she doesn't care about the Cowboys. She cares about it because he cares about it. And as soon as they break up, she's not caring about the Cowboys anymore. Is that the type of relationship that they have with Jesus, that they care about it because mm-hmm. you care about it? Yeah. Or they care about it because it's the thing that life is all about and the relationship they were made for. So Yeah, I think, you know d- yeah, well, uh, let's add more, bring clarity. Just, you know, when, when David keeps saying, uh, you, you're not the one who saves anyone, what he means is Jesus is the one who saves. It doesn't mean, uh, like, you can continue to live your life in a way that people see uh, the joy in life that you find in Jesus, but you're not actually the one, like, God is the one who saves them. Like, you can't do that. And so that's a misunderstanding. If you think, oh, I'm going to be the person that brings them to a saving faith, like you just can't. So it's a misunderstanding on your part and you're kind of taking God's role, which he never gave you. And he said, hey, you just get to be my representative, one. And then two, there's a, there's there's uh, the purpose of dating. I think we haven't really touched on it yet, but the purpose of dating is to spend time with someone to see if this is someone you want to spend the rest of your life with. And so dating isn't meant to be just a fun, like side activity. Uh, that's a, that's a man, there's a lot of emotions happening. It's dangerous if this is just something you do for fun and because the other person is attractive. And so the purpose of why you're dating matters a lot here. And we think through through unequally yoked and dating, but we're not married yet. So is unequally yoked. And we would just say, if the purpose of dating is marriage, then yes, even in a dating relationship, you're unequally yoked yeah. in, in that sense. Um, and, and finally, now I'm just kind of running on a soapbox here. Finally, life is not about dating. Like life's not about relationships at the very, I mean, Elena, you said at the very beginning, like, yeah, you're kind of running and the pool gets a little bit smaller and you're not wrong. Elena is so right there. It does get smaller and and people understand that like the Christians um, and dating inside the Christian world feels like there's so many more options out in the world. And, and God would just say, I am, Jesus would say, I am enough. Like I can be uh, where you find life in full satisfaction and um, relationships or marriage is not the goal of life. I'm done with my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think what makes it hard is there's exceptions to this rule that people point to and they think right. our love story is going to end like that love story and she ended <laughs> up, they got married and then um, he ended up becoming a Christian <laughs> after that. And it's such a bad idea to make your dating, a- apart from following Jesus, who you're going to marry is one of the most important decisions you're going to make. Yeah. And to throw that out and be like, hey, there's a... a point zero 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 one percent chance that this could end up working out in a direction that God says already do not do um, is a really really bad idea and um, so yeah also just something I've been, I'm thinking about during this conversation is 
oftentimes if you are dating a non-believer, it's more likely that you would be um, pulled away from your faith by dating them than you being able to pull them into a relationship with Jesus. Because first Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good morals. And uh, it's, it's way more common for it to go the other way. And so it's just a, it's a bad idea for your faith. If, I just know from personal experience, I have been in a relationship when I first became a believer, I was dating someone who would call, would say he was a believer, but there were so many things about both of our lives that just was not consistent with following Jesus. And so as I got closer to God, the closer I, I got to God, the farther I felt from the guy I was dating at the time. And then if I would try to get closer to the guy, I would feel farther from God because I would be sinning more. I would be doing things that I know were not consistent with scripture. And it would make me feel separate from God and make me feel distant from him. And I hated that feeling. And I, when I was dating him, I just felt this constant tension between if I get closer to God, I'm going to be further from him. If I get closer to him, I'm going to be further from God. And it was a no win situation. It was really hard. It was one of the hardest seasons of my life. And so I just, I just want like listeners to know, like, I know how hard that is if you're in that situation, but really what is best 10 times out of 10 is doing what God says is what's best for you because he knows and he knows what damage can be caused by the things you're doing that you can't even see yet. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're going to live together. You're going to be more likely to live together if you don't have the same values. You're going to be yeah. more likely to have sex together, even if you're just culturally, hey, he says he's a Christian. If it's not marked in his life, he's not going to be marked by the values that Christ says you should be valuing, purity being one of them, all the different things. You're just setting yourself up to complicate the relationship, make things more difficult. Proverbs 12 verse 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. If the righteous choose their friends really carefully, mm -hmm. how much more the people they're going to date, potentially marry. And so the best thing that you can do here, let me, here's another thing. If you're listening right now and you're dating someone who's not a believer, or maybe you are in, um, a place where you're tempted to date somebody who's not a believer, or you're just like, hey, what should I do? You should work on you, go all in with Christ. Yeah. There's a statement we say of become the one that the one that you want to marry is going to be looking for. Like work on yourself right now. Because the, the truth is like every relationship, this isn't the Bible, but I, I think it is true. Historically, experientially, I've seen it true. Um, counselors, uh, there's a counselor that I know that shared that this is true. Generally, relationships are going to form as dysfunctional the lowest um, dysfunctional person is going to define the relationship, mm -hmm. and uh, and the degree to which you are dysfunctional is going to be the degree to which you tolerate dysfunction. So if you want to have a healthy marriage and end up marrying somebody healthy, you got to be healthy. Mm -hmm. You got to run after Christ. You got to be all in and make sure that's a priority in your life. And if you're dating someone who's not a Christian, that is a serious marker that there's something that you need to address. That you're not in a healthy place, and you're not dating in a healthy way, and you're not going to be uh, if you if you um, are not healthy in general. So, man, anything else you guys would add? That's good. Breakups are not fun. No. But when you date God's way, they're so much better and you break up in a way that doesn't break you. And, um, and so if there's any way that we can serve you, any questions, anything that comes out of this, we'd love to. If we can bring more clarity to that, you can email us at info at the porch.live info at the porch.live if there's subjects you want us to cover you can also email that as always rate subscribe review that always helps it's so fun to get to be with you guys we will see you next week on another episode of views from the porch we want to thank you for listening to views from the porch for more information about the porch ministry visit us at the porch.live or follow us on social media at the porch